This is Get a Load of This Podcast, where we cover topics for truckers and entrepreneurs alike. Our guests are coming straight from the trucking industry and industries that directly influence and impact the truckers and trucking companies. We want to bring tremendous value to today's leaders and entrepreneurs and our future of the trucking industry. The common passion amongst our hosts and our guests is one thing. It's you. It's you, the people that make this country move, the trucking industry. Enough with the introductions. Let's get this load on the road. We are your hosts, Thomas, Cameron, and Ryan. Let's get rolling. What up, what up, what up? We're back. Another episode of Get a Load of This Trucking Podcast. Welcome. I appreciate everyone hopping in today. As always, your host, Cameron Pishi, and owner and founder of Valley Trucking Insurance and one of the co-founders of the podcast. And with me, I've got the other co-founder, special guest, special host, I should say, Ryan Young. Ryan, what's happening? What's going on, everybody? What up? What's new in the trucking world? What are you hearing from uh, the fleets and your clients and stuff in regards to uh, fuel or cargo or loads or anything? I mean, it's a mixed bag. There's obviously a lot of uh, a lot of noise about gas prices, which is understandable. They're a little nuts at the moment, more than we've ever seen. Look like they're going down a bit, but I do hear some people talking about the contracts they have, and they're just getting better and getting fuel surcharges. So I think in that mode, the industry is good. You know, seeing a few cancellations with people, you know, deciding to take a break or go under some other bigger operations. Um, you know, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because those guys have the contracts and can make the pay. So I don't hear a lot of good things, man. I mean, the industry is changing a little bit, but it's always it's dynamic. So, yeah, things are good. People are bitching about insurance costs going up. Oh, I mean, that's even if it went down, <laughs> they'd probably still bitch. So <laughs> no. you can't stop uh, that. Insurance is- yeah, insurance is the exciting part. And, uh, you know, honestly, we haven't done a ton on the insurance piece and um, shared our expertise there, but there's a lot of exciting opportunities and you actually have a lot more control over your insurance and what it costs than I think people realize. And that's actually who I've got on today. I am stoked. I'm super excited about this one. I think there's going to be so much awesome content. I, I want to dive right into this. And with us, we've got a special guest, Ian Maester. Ian comes to us from Captive Resources. And Captive might be a new term to some. Um, I've had a few guests or, or listeners, I should say, uh, request it. Some of the larger fleet companies that have heard their buddies that are in captives or have heard about this um, insurance that they actually get to control and have a say in and make money on. And there's there's a lot of exciting features and components to it, um, but it's a lot more complex than a traditional insurance. And, um, you know, it, it's exciting. So Ian um, is coming to us from Captive Resources. Cap, uh, Ian, what's happening, brother? Hey, Cam, Ryan. Thanks for having me on today. Looking forward to chatting with you guys a little bit more about group captives. Sir. Yeah, man. Tell us a little bit about your background, um, you know, whether it be academic or professional or what led you to the point to where you're now dealing with uh, wheels, trucking and the insurance piece of that and finding awesome solutions for your large fleets. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I actually, believe it or not, studied insurance in college. Did not think I, uh, I would go down that route, but it worked out pretty well. I, uh, I tied it with a finance major and um, shortly thereafter is when I, I got a call from Captive Resources about uh, you know an internship program and jumped on that and did a summer with them and you know by the end of that year I was like hooked um, you know it's just a very very great organization the, the captive concept itself is uh, it was so new, unique to me at the time and just seemed like the you know the best way to do insurance um, and so you know I did everything I could in my power to make sure I uh, I landed back there you know full time and uh, yeah I've been with the company now over five years. And uh, it's been a, been a fun ride, you know, a lot of uh, growth, good growth over the years and, and certainly plenty more to come here in the, in the years to come. And you're on the business development side, so you get to do a little bit of boots on the ground, some education to the fleet um, prospects or existing customers and, and travel with them. Um, is that what makes the job awesome is you just get to deal with trucking uh, clients and just, just awesome people or what? 
Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, I think that's probably one of the best parts about the job. And, and you guys, you know, pretty similar in that regard where um, a lot of people think insurance is, is pretty bland and, you know, the day to day of it. But, you know, really in our world, we get to sit down with business owners, CFOs and, you know, trucking specific companies and really, you know, peel back the layers on their company. Ask some questions that, you know, not a lot of other people get to ask. Um, and learn more about, you know, what they're doing, how they're operating, you know, where their areas of concern are um, and how we could help possibly find them a very good long term insurance solution with the group captive. Um, and so, you know, usually it's uh, it's every day is a little bit different. You work with new companies. Everybody's got their own uh, little caveat and differences in, in their programs and, and how they're running their, their trucks. That's awesome. I think one of the exciting things, and this is usually what the topic, um, or maybe how it gets brought up to me is, hey, my buddy who has a fleet of trucks is with uh, this captive, you know, they're, they're not, either they've heard about it or they haven't, maybe they're new to exploring the idea. And it's like, he gets mm-hmm. money back on his insurance. He gets a say in what they do and what they don't get to do and, you know, what attorneys can help represent them in a claim. Can we fight this claim? And I think that that's the appealing stuff. And today, what I hope to accomplish with you, Ian, is um, talk about the high level things, some of the benefits, some of the exciting things, but also talk about, you know, at what stage does your company as a fleet owner and as a business owner need to be at to start discussing should I be in a captive or maybe think ahead future forward thinking which we got a lot of clients that do that hey here's at what point you should actually entertain this and this is what point that we'll start talking to Ian or talking you know what I mean and and see if we can't get you in right yeah yeah no definitely and I think the educational piece is, is arguably the most important to all this because it can be a great you know insurance product for a number of companies but you know, it's important to understand, you know, the ramifications of it, how they work, the cost to get into it, and then, you know, what the, the timeline is for your business and, and expecting, you know, these, these dividend checks to get back. Um, I think I'll, I'll, you know, step back a little bit and explain, you know, captive resources a, a little bit more holistically, if I will. Um, really, we're a group captive consultant. And so kind of how that works is um, we, we, we work with brokers around the country. Uh, we don't have, you know, we're not owned by an insurance company or any agency or anything like that. Um, and, we, and we form member-owned group captives. And so we're the primary consultant, really just working on you know, bringing all these parties together, whether it's the insurance broker, the company, the reinsurer, the third-party administrator. Uh, really, our job is to just bring everybody together and create this unique product for, for some of these best-in-class companies. Um, so we started in the you know, late 1970s, early 80s, and it was a harder workers' compensation uh, market at the time. And you know, went out to some Chicago businesses. That's actually where we're headquartered in the, the Chicagoland area and said, hey, you know, you guys are all you're all doing the right things, you know, together. Maybe the five or seven of you, you make up about a million or two million bucks in premium rather than paying that to an insurance company every year. What if what if you took on some of that, you know, that risk yourselves and then reinsured away any you know big catastrophic loss that you weren't expecting? So it allows the business owner to, to really kind of, you know, get more involved in their insurance program and see, OK, well, you know, if I'm paying five hundred thousand dollars a year and, you know, six or four hundred thousand, three hundred thousand might be seated to you know pay for claims. Maybe I'll take that on a little bit more differently myself and, and really implement some more risk management approaches uh, in hopes to get that dividend back. Um, and so that's really kind of how our model started. It worked out really well. You know, the clients, they bought into their insurance program. They worked with their insurance broker a lot more and developing loss control techniques for, for their fleets or, you know, their employees safety. And ultimately, it led us to create more and more programs for a variety of different industries. And now today, um, you know, we've got over 40 different captives and a number of them serving the transportation industry exclusively. Uh, so a real unique opportunity there for some of those larger fleets that, you know, maybe are frustrated with paying, uh, you know, significant auto liability premiums and just seeing it go up year over year with without really much benefit on the back end. Um, and so that's a good time that we come in and say, you know, maybe it's time for you to you know, take a look at a group captive and see if this is something that, that works well for your business and, and your organization. Yeah. And a lot of those folks, I think, tote that they're best in class. And it's like, 
hey, I'm paying insurance premiums that are the same or similar to XYZ company. However, you know, they can see like the out of service alerts or crashes or anything because it's public data via safer. And it's like, you know, why am I paying the same that they are? I feel like I'm operating, uh, you know, more safely. I've got a culture of safety. Like we invest in training, we invest in tech. Um, but my insurance, you know, premiums don't reflect that. So I think that's what leads a lot of the conversation or folks to discuss this or explore that. Um, and the other thing there you talked about is uh, um, having control over what claims get settled and don't get settled, I think is a huge thing. Cause that's a common complaint I get as well is like, Hey, the company just settled this claim right now. Sometimes the insurance company knows best and they know the venue and they understand the implied cost of fighting this and what's going to happen. But sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, gosh, we shouldn't just settle this claim. We should actually fight it. And when you're in a captive, Ian, correct me if I'm wrong, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit different um, claims handling process from the sense of it's their dollars at work, the attorneys mm-hmm. and, the, and the claims managers and everyone know that it's their dollars at work. So they're a little bit, um, I don't want to say more sensitive to that fact. I, I guess they are, but it, it could be handled differently, correct? Yeah, no, and you're certainly right on that, Cam. And really, you know, we see a lot of companies that that join a group captive program just for that reason alone, right? They've had instances in the past where claims happen and they clearly know and can possibly even prove it that, you know, they're not at fault. But the way that the insurance market works is the carrier steps in, they realize, okay, what's the you know most cost effective approach to this? You know, to us, it's just easiest to settle for $10,000 and then move on. But then in the business owner's eyes, they're saying, well, wait a minute, like, you know, I know that didn't happen like that. That person, you know, we've got video footage of them driving into one of our trucks, you know, at this intersection, blowing past the stop sign or something like that. And so, you know, a lot of times the the captive provides that option and opportunity for them to to go ahead and fight claims. Right. They don't have to continue to you know, follow the the insurance company's recommendations. Obviously, you got to you know honor everything that's, that's going on in uh, you know in the eyes of the law. Um, but if they work with their TPA, their TPA is going to understand that these are you know their dollars that they input into the premium and pay for these claims. And if they want to spend a little bit more on a particular claim to fight it, with the hope that you know this might not happen to them ever again, because you know people know that it's not a company you want to mess with. Then that's that's more power to them. It's something that they could you know receive uh, through being a, in a group captive program. I think it's cool too because you mentioned the word group, right? Um, and, and captive, I think, is misleading. But group, you're you're amongst your peers. You're amongst other companies that are best in class because it is reviewed thoroughly whether or not that captive or that group captive is going to take on you take you on as a new client because they're going to review what are some things that you're going to be reviewed on ian um when entertaining this like just for like somewhat transparency for a company that's thinking about it so what they have to prep for yeah so you know first off i mean we got to make sure that they're of of decent size right um so we, we really look at you know, fleets that have probably at least 20 to 25, uh, you know, tractors, uh, power units. Um, and then from there, you know, we should have a good amount of, of dollars to work with because uh, really, you know, in, in our industry, you know, you could have one bad accident that can cause, you know, upwards maybe of a million dollars in claims. And so we want to make sure that there's, an, you know, adequate funding for the reinsurance company, but also for the insured, right? Because they're paying for their own claims as they happen. And so if they have a bad year, you know, they could have to pay more. Um, and, and so for those reasons, we want to make sure that there's enough premium there. So, you know, we typically say a small to middle market trucking operation uh, starts to fit in that box. But then beyond that, we really look at the losses um, and, and we look at the workers' compensation, the general liability and the auto liability and the physical damage in particular. And what we find that those are the three or four lines that are really most predictable. Right. And so if we can look at five years of their history and how their trucks are running or, or how their employees are, you know, staying safe, if, if they've got a good track record, you know, we can probably assume that in the future they're going to continue to have a good track record of, of safety and, and claims management. Um, whereas other you know, areas of within insurance, property, you know, things like that, you can't can't guess when there's going to be a tornado or a hurricane, things like that. And so, you know, we, we look at those three lines in particular, and if they're performing well, given the premium, then it's time to look at a group captive. And we could say, hey, you know, you might have paid out $4 million in premium over the last 10 years, but you've only paid out maybe $500,000 in claims. So all that money that's still sitting on the table, that should really be profit for you, we think. But instead, that goes right to the insurance company's bottom line. 
And then next year they come back and they say, hey, you know what? Uh, only a 1% increase, you know, <laughs> you're doing good type of thing. Um, so that's that's kind of a couple of things that I, that I notice. And then beyond that, it, it really comes down to the safety and culture within the group. Um, you know, we want to take good companies and make them even better. You know, we've got a ton of loss control services. And, you know, as you're mentioning, Cam, the group aspect of it, we do group safety workshops where all you know, all the safety directors come together, uh, you know, typically for a day or two and, and really just have a best practices session. Um, so we're looking for companies that can really buy into that philosophy, you know, get in, get into the group with other like minded business owners that are just constantly looking to incrementally increase, you know, that their safety uh, risk management program around the company. And I think this is a really excellent idea. And as far as being a group and the captive, it kind of, at least in my mind, it makes sense to call it more of like a cooperative almost to say, hey, you know, you're joining forces with these companies and you'll kind of have a seat at the board to make decisions. But I think mm-hmm. the big question listeners might have is how do you select what companies are going inside which groups? And, you know, are there potentially like, I guess, benefits or consequences if they're not in the right groups? Like, are they categorized a certain way? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, You know, typically we try, you know, we've learned over the years, you know, what works well together. We realize that, you know, maybe long haul truckers with, you know, restaurants aren't always the best group setting together. Um, You know, sometimes that happens, but, you know, for for certain industries like construction and transportation, to name a few, um, and some of the other higher hazard groups, it makes a little bit more sense to put them together, right? And then we can tailor the risk control profile for that specific industry. Um, and like I was talking about safety, everybody's got you know a fleet. Everybody has has run into a similar issue. And so for those reasons, having the you know the group specific to transportation, shall we say, uh, it could be very advantageous, right? More often than not, if you're a safety manager and you're saying, hey, you know, we're, we're really having a hard time with with hiring lately, right? We can't find good drivers. Somebody else in the room might say, hey, you know, we just came across this real unique resource lately and it's helped us, you know, find drivers. They might be on the other side of the country. But since you're in the captive together and like you said, Ryan, that cooperative nature of it, you're all trying to you know, get safer together because it, it helps everyone in the group's bottom line. Um, I think it's important to mention, you know, these are member owned captives, not anybody, you know, nobody from the service provider standpoint or captive resources. We don't own or uh, vote on any of the you know captives that we consult to. It, it really is completely up to the you know, the owner of the, uh, the the company that's a, a member in these group captives to go ahead and, and make those decisions and earn those profits back. Um, but in terms of you know the upfront getting into the program, uh, like I said, the educational piece is, is pretty important, right? Understanding how it works is this something that that you'd like to you know look at further. There is some risk in that, that's involved, right? You could have to pay a little bit more if you, if you run through, you know, your claims funding, uh, your loss fund in, in, in too short okay. of a time. Uh, but at the flip side, right, it's, it's kind of finding these entrepreneurial business owners that like betting on themselves and, you know, want to take on some of that, that risk in hopes that, you know, it'll drive down their costs and more importantly, send everybody home at night at the end of the day. Right, right. And yeah, and we've discussed this a little previously, too. And I was wondering if you could go into a little bit, maybe incentivizing like how the profit sharing works, like how, how or, you know, profit sharing, I say, but what are the returns like, to, you know, to kind of get people interested in what this actual idea is bringing a benefit besides the obvious safety advantages of just having incentivized, uh, right. you know, reasons to put safety in place? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Uh, so we did a study and I, I could probably find some more information on it here, but, uh, you know, looking at about 15 programs that, that we consult to, I think the average dividend return uh, was somewhere around 23% of their premium. And so almost a quarter you know, of their entire premium that they could get back uh, over time. So, you know, for some of these, you know, bigger fleets that, that are running you know, half a million or, or more in premium, that could start to really become a, a sizable amount uh, for, for them to get back. Um, in terms of you know how the dividend actually works, it's it's going to be very much based on the actual business that owner themselves and how their fleet's performing. There is risk sharing involved in the cap in the group captive here, um, but it's nice because that it makes a true insurance, right? Otherwise, this would be self insurance, and, and you know you start to get into a whole different type of tax program and structure. Uh, but you know the bottom line here is that majority of the dollars that you could potentially get back through having a good year, they're in your control. Uh, only a smaller portion of the, your total premium is what we would call in the, the sharing layer, 
the other members of the group. Right. Um, but that's important too to have because you know if the three of us were in a captive and I only had you know two hundred thousand dollars in, in funds available and I caused a you know a half million dollar loss, there's there's going to be some extra room I need help with from from you guys to get there. Um, and, and everybody you know learns from the captive. They understand that it's a little bit of a give and take. And ultimately, you know, majority of the money you could get back, like I said, it, it comes down to how you perform rather than you know, everybody else in the group. Um, but like what we were you know, saying earlier, it, they're tough to get into. You know, you got to have all those controls in place. You got to be around, and, you know, at least five, five years or more um, and committed to safety. And so that's why when we get all these members together in these in these group captive programs and they're all you know, like minded, they think the same that, you know, they're, they're very cautious and they're taking all the right steps in place because they don't want to, you know, be that guy in the room that's, uh, that's had big claims for the last three years, right? Yeah, Somebody's going to say, who's, who's this fleet over here that, you know, we, we don't know who they are, but it looks like somebody's having a, a lot of accidents year over year. And that's their, their worst nightmare as a captive member, right? Uh, opening up a can of worms there for, for people to put questions on a, about their program. Right. Yeah, and it's not something to take lightly when um, evaluating that. Something else that's cool about the captive programs for the truckers is you guys go up to $2 million on the primary auto liability, which I think is uh, huge to note. And it, it allows us to purchase an umbrella or excess liability at a little bit cheaper rate because we're a little bit higher on that underlying and then you'll you'll also cover the physical damage and the other components as well. And we can build in contract specific coverages. I don't want to get too much into that, but just to uh, express the diversity and like we understand trucking, the captive understands trucking and what they face and the contract language and what it looks like. Um, we have a solution to cover that essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And then to your point, Cam, it's a, you know, in this day and age, the umbrella market, it, it's sometimes hard to explain to, to clients and, and prospects what's going on and how it, you know, is it affecting their, their entire insurance program. Um, but in our eyes, it's it's tough, right? And it's uh, it could be a very expensive piece. You know, we see these nuclear verdicts come up around the country, yeah. you know, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in claims paid out. Um, and, and so, you know, having that at $2 million attachment point makes it a little bit easier uh, and, you know, for, for you placing that umbrella and overall for the clients, you know, total cost of insurance, we, we find that that uh, helps alleviate some of those uh, stress. Yeah, I think so. And to probably simplify a little bit of the entry points and you had highlighted, you know, five years in business that now gives the ability to a have some financial strength and people that are operating at that size typically have been in business a little bit longer or, um, in some capacity, been managing or operating a fleet anyway. Um, the other is have financial strength, have the ability and have a um, the ability to, to diversify with your funds and place funds elsewhere. However, what I thought was really cool about that is there is some buy-in cost associated. There is some guarantees that you got to put in place and you got to basically put collateral up. But What's really cool is is you make interest on that. So let's chat about that, Ian, because that that tends to be one of the more highlighted features of a captive from what my conversations have been is like, yes, you get money back. Yes, I should be getting, you know, my performance of five to 10 to 20 percent back, um, but also your ability to earn money and earn a little bit of interest on that money that you have parked. Yeah, yeah, definitely, Cam. And that's, you know, I think a very unique portion of uh, of the group captives that we consult to. Um, in the early 90s, we realized that, you know, to be a, a big name insurance company and compete with, you know, some of these big companies uh, like, you know, Zurich or AIG, uh, you know, whoever it might be, um, all of these companies, you know, when, when an insured binds coverage with them, a lot of those dollars get invested in the market, right? So the carriers, they've got their combined ratios, um, and, they're, and they're making money on the underwriting, but not oftentimes does that make them profitable. A lot of times they get profitable from the investment income that's accruing. And so, you know, we were talking about those three lines of coverage, the work comp and, and the auto and general liability, that they're the most actuarially predictable. They're also some of the longest tail lines in insurance, which means it takes a while for these auto liability claims to get paid out, for the workers' comp claims that, you know, injuries to, to materialize and, and be complete and have our you know, claims closed. And so, you know, what we decided was create a mutual fund for all of the clients and the captive and allow them to invest you know, their loss funding portion of the premium. So not the fixed cost, but essentially the, the amount of money they set off to the side to pay for claims. 
And so, you know, when those large, uh, you know, work comp claims or the, the auto liability claims, they might settle, take a year or two to settle. During that whole time, the, the client is actually earning interest on their premium, um, you know, from the beginning. And so it, it really allows us to, to kind of come in there and say, hey, you know, join a group captive and you become the owner of an insurance company and you get all those benefits just like the big name insurance companies do. Um, and, and so, you know, the fund really allows for that participation. And oftentimes what we see is sometimes companies might have, you know, 30,000 in claims over those three to five years as we're waiting to see everything materialize, but the fund might produce 40,000 in interest on top of that. So really it's, it's almost like a wash in terms of your claims. And so when you start to kind of step back and think of it in more of that, you know, uh, wide angle view of the, the overall program, it really does start to make a lot of sense from a long-term you know, objective when you're looking at a, a business that, you know, is not looking to sell anytime soon and, and possibly create another financial vehicle, a little source of revenue for the business. Yeah. And I think it's important to note too, that while they are taking on more risk, they are operating a little bit more as the insurance company. They're not taking on the whole risk, right? There mm-hmm. are Right. stop losses and caps to this thing where reinsurance layers come in and then the actual insurance comes in. And then when you're doing the actuary side, meaning that, hey, when we evaluate your losses over the last three years, you're not going to get penalized if you had a million dollar loss. You're only going to get penalized to a certain extent for the future rates that you're going to pay. Let's not go too much in the weeds on that, Ian, but let's yeah. talk about like uh, just kind of on a surface level, what that means to the client, ju- just in terms of uh, education. Yeah. yeah, if we we don't have to go dive into an actuarial analysis or anything, but <laughs> yeah. you know, if any uh, listeners have a hard time listener, sleeping, the listeners have dropped off at twenty five minutes. Say, we don't want anybody falling yeah, yeah. asleep while they're driving. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's super cool though, and it, it's actually very important to the fleet com- or the business owner and the fleet managers or CFOs or whoever yeah. is like in charge of this project and. Um, making decisions on this because what that means is is like they're limiting their risk they're they're limiting their exposure um because they're reducing their risk they're taking the necessary steps they're not going to get penalized and then also the other thing which um i think is a huge benefit to the captive is it's a predictable model as to what your premium is going to do whereas in the traditional market you hope your premium goes down, you can do everything right. But if the market suffers, your rates could go up and you have no, you could be blindsided, a company could pull out of the market. Um, you know, it could be, I mean, who knows? There's, there's a ton of things that happen in these horror stories you hear. Whereas the captive, in my opinion, at least since the 80s, since you guys have been around, have been a little bit more predictable to an extent. And at least they feel like they have control, right? So, yeah, no, yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate, Cam. And I mean, I get calls, you know, all the time from brokers that say, Hey, you know, this insurance company, they're, they're pulling out of the market, you know, after five years, not really much explanation why, but you know, we, we need coverage, right. For the next year um, or, or the upcoming renewal or something like that. And it's, it's frustrating, right. Because an insured that, that shouldn't be the case. You, you shouldn't have to deal with, you know, a trusted partner just calling up one day and said, Hey, you know, we're not going to offer our coverage, our solutions anymore. Um, and so, you know, back to your, your point on the captive side, um, what's really unique is how we price these risks. Um, and like I said, not everybody could qualify. It's, it's, it, they are oftentimes pretty difficult to get into. Um, but if you want to, like you said, take on that control and, and really try and drive down those premiums on your own, that's entirely capable with the group captive. And so how we price it to, you know, your point that the actuarial loss study, we look at five years of data. I'm um, looking at you know how they performed, how many accidents have they been, how much did each accident cost, right? Um, how many vehicles do you have? Are you looking to have more in the next year? And then you know really from there it develop a premium. And so it's a it's a pretty straightforward model. And typically you know after spending a couple of years in the captive, we'll have CFOs come up to us and say, hey, you know, uh, I'm expecting it should go up about seven eight percent this next year. You know, just because they know they're learning how the model works, and it's it's fascinating because you know you can't get that elsewhere. And so for some of these bigger organizations that, you know, when we're talking fleets, trucking insurance and auto liability, that becomes a pretty large piece of their budget. And so if they could forecast where those costs are going to be, you know, in two, three, four years from now, given maybe how many trucks they're expecting to have or and then also in turn utilizing, looking at you know their loss costs and the, the actuarial study, they really know, OK, you know, I expect it to be pretty much right within this range, given all, all that information. Um, and it's just something that. 
you know, we, we can't always, uh, you know, see in the standard market and, and uh, count on by some of the carriers. Right. Um, I think it's just under about 11 years in a row now. Each quarter we've seen either flat or consistent increases on the, the auto liability for, for just about every uh, every insured. Yeah, and there's a multitude of factors for that that are outside the control of the insurance, right? Um labor, material shortage, distracted driving, more people on the road, um, cost of injuries. You're, you had mentioned nuclear verdict. And so um, there, there's different venues in the country that have adopted different theories and the, the attorneys have adopted different you know tactics to basically extract the most money they can out of these insurance companies. And, and everyone's feeling that impact, right? It's not just... Mm-hmm. Um, the guys that are causing all the issues or causing accidents or anything, you could be a perfect operating company and you're still feeling that it's still going up. And so um, at least here you have the ability to earn a little bit of profit. You have the ability to get some money back and not leave it on the table or in the insurance company's pockets, um, which that's awesome. And then uh, Ian showed a a slide, which uh, we, we don't have slides for this. I guess we'll do more of a verbal, but in a nutshell, since um, the you know this is established and since it's the fund has been managed, you guys have been profitable for well over the last 30, 40 years, right? Yeah, yeah. You're talking as a whole, or in terms of? I, I mean, um, we can break down by five year, ten year, and then as a whole. But most impressive is like everyone expects to take a loss in the market um, for, mm-hmm. for a fund right now, but we're not, and, and we expect it too but we're hedging over a three and a five year period where actually we're making returns on the money. So your money's making yeah. interest, which is another dividend check that you get as a, as an owner of this captive. Right. Right. And again, it's just kind of bringing all those dollars back into the control of the insured, you know, betting on themselves. And to your point on that, that mutual fund, it's actually all run by, you know, typically the CFOs from various you know captives that we consult to, um, so it's, it's almost like, you know, not even ours, it's, it's really the clients and, and uh, they're the ones that make decisions and interview, you know, different money managers on it and so on and so forth. And so it's, it's really unique to see, you know, continue to grow um, and it's, it's created, you know, quite a quite a good lifeline for a lot of these companies. And just to give you an example, uh, you know, some of our captive members, let's say they joined in, in 2010 or 2015 when the pandemic hit and they were, you know, they didn't have many routes or they didn't have a lot of revenue coming in. Some of them were getting some some pretty solid checks back and, and dividends from their captive program. One because they were running safe safe operations, and two, you know, the the timeline between twenty fifteen to twenty twenty, the market did pretty well. And so now those are their dollars that are in this fund, along with you know their control over you know, within the captive getting you know, whatever claims they don't pay out, they get that back. Um, so it really can can you know increase ex- exponentially over time for some of these business owners and their companies. And, you know, like I said, create a safety net in times. And so it doesn't always make the most sense to jump into a captive. Like I said, the educational piece is really important. You got to understand you know, some of the costs associated with it and getting in. And, and oftentimes you know, I say, hey, look, if, if it's more important for you to buy more trucks or, or hire more people, that's that's more important, right? Focus on that, get, get your business to where you want it to be. But once you're there and you, you know you feel pretty comfortable with it, and, you, and uh, you know maybe it's time to look at that captive solution. And I think it could really be a, you know create a, a strategic option um, for the overall company yeah. in, in the years to come. Well, I think it's also cool um, a line item on that uh, budget or proposal, if you will, is allocated towards safety or safety resources. So at the end of each annual term. Um, each of the companies gets a percentage of money back to invest in training, technologies, speakers, um, whatever. I, I, so elaborate on that, Ian, and maybe um, not the fact that you guys do that, but maybe some of the success stories within the captive and some of the feel good stuff that you get feedback on. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, and really kind of to your point there, it, it's a uh, you know, line item on the proposal. It's an incentive you know, to use uh, a, a little bit of their premium back towards them in terms of funding new risk control ideas. Um, and it, it just more, shows more power, right? If these, these companies can you know, take that on and, and find unique ways to create, to get safer, uh, at the end of the day, it only helps them more and more than, than anybody else, right? Um, and so a lot of times, you know, we talk about telematics and transportation. I'm sure you guys talk about that plenty enough with clients and, and other colleagues. But 
you know, we see that quite a bit, right? We're, we're companies join the captive. They say, oh, we don't have any cameras yet. Maybe we'll use that. You know, I don't know how our drivers feel about it just yet, but, you know, everybody else seems to think that it works well. And then what happens is, you know, they install the cameras and then the next accident that happens, the driver is actually the one, you know, the, the insured driver is the one that's saying, thank God those cameras were there because you guys wouldn't have believed me when I tell you what just happened here. And so we find that more often than not, yeah, for some of our fleets, that it's actually more beneficial to have either you know both driver facing cameras and road facing cameras because the drivers are, are very good they're qualified they knew, they know what they're doing and, and most of the time these captive members they got very you know good hiring practices and so more often than not you know it's it's like you said some of these uh, you know attorneys or or just people out there looking to to cash in on on some large uh, large policy limits with, with truckers and. You know, unfortunately, just just trying to cause accidents, right, and drawing on on those large insurance policies. Um, and so, you know, when our captive members and have these uh, you know checks in place, it often avoids those situations, and uh, everything going on there is just, just terminated, right? In terms of the claim with the third party, uh, you know, there's no yeah. litigating that anymore. It's clear evidence that yeah. you know our insured truck is is not at fault here, and, and that's it. Um, so that's one case. Obviously, there's so many different you know aspects you could use for those you know lost funding dollars. And typically, you know, when we have those safety meetings, getting all the safety guys together, they share in those ideas too. Hey, we we brought in the speaker. He told us all these unique things, these different maybe these different stretches, th- things to do before starting the day. And so, you know, it works. It's been working for our guys. Um, and, and so you know, all these things over the years, bringing them back to the you know guys and girls in the shop and talking about it. It really just adds up to, to create a, a much more safer environment for these companies in the long run. And where are some of the meetings held? You were mentioning a couple of places or kind of the um, how these meetings are conducted on the annual basis and the owner meetings and stuff. That sounded awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And so that's, um, you know, one of the most important things that we think about the captive is getting all the directors together, right? Every company that joins they become, you know, they have a seat at the table. They're a part owner of this group captive and really our, our view at captive resources to provide them kind of a consulting overview of what's going on in the insurance market um, and really just run the captive for them on the day to day side. But then they get to come together and make decisions on service providers and, you know, different structures within the captive. Maybe we want to take on more risks. Um, and so, you know, there's you know, bunch of different domiciles uh we've we've chosen grand cayman as a pretty much our, our go-to uh, we started there back you know 30 40 years ago and so for that reason our groups get together uh outside of the u.s and it makes it a little bit you know more unique and enjoyable um you know, our, our captive members uh, they're often a little bit more excited to get together and i'll tell you the first one i went to i felt like i was so out of place everybody was like a big tight-knit family um, you know, going up to Canada in the summer months or, or the Caribbean in the winter time, um, but just a very unique opportunity. You know, spouses and families get together. There's networking, uh, but then there's also plenty of business. You know, talking about what's going on with the captive, what changes do we want to get, uh, you know, put in place or things we want to consider going forward. And so, um, yeah, typically, you know, they join the captive and they're there for a while just because it, it really is you know, insurance program designed for the client in mind. They get to go to the meetings, interact with the insurance company and the underwriter, interact with, you know, their broker, if their broker comes by, um, and then all the other members in the group, right? And and here and grow with them. And a lot of times, sometimes we get to a point where the captive has been around so long that the next generation from one business is taking over and the next generation from another, you know, captive member and they're they're all meeting together. And so, um, you know, it's a really special time you know, when we do get together and uh, at these meetings. That sounds I think it's like worth you guys noting too, and you had mentioned the retention component is very high. And and usually I think because it's a long-term investment, it's a long-term strategy, it's a well-thought-out process, it's a um, sophisticated trucking company. So they know what they're getting into, but what has the retention been? You know, it's mid to high 90s, right? Yeah, so we've pretty much been right around ninety-eight um, percent, yeah. you know, for the last I would say probably at least ten years, um, and really that that two percent that you know we lose business, we we look at you know pretty tough figuring out why that's that's going out, um, but more often than not, it's we see just a lot of companies that you know are getting towards that point where the owner is getting ready for retirement. You know, if you think about the baby boomer population, a lot of 
a lot of older Americans that you know started successful businesses and they might not have you know succession plans in place. Uh, they don't. They might not have kids that are either interested or you know want to take over or just don't don't have children there uh, at all. And so, um, in this market, in this day and age, uh, private equity, as I'm sure you guys are very familiar with, yeah. um, and other larger investment groups, you know, it's a you know, the captive members that that we consult to. They're very well run businesses. They look really good on paper, and, and typically they're even better people. And so, for those reasons, you know, somebody might call them and say, "Hey, you know, we'll, we'll give you fifty million dollars for your business if, if you want." And it's kind of hard to say no, all right? I've never been in that position, but I think uh, I would probably say yes <laughs> if somebody wanted to give me a check with that many zeros. Um, so more often than not, you know, that's typically where we see our lost business. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, they'll they'll renew in the captive. And really, it just comes down to, you know, if you buy into it, do you understand that the concept, do you like it? You know, if you had a bad year, that's okay. You know, we're not going to punish you. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you hang on in there, it could be a really, really good option pretty much until you're ready to sell the business or, or get out of it. Yeah. And I, I mean, it sounds like that level of retention at 98% is, I mean, it speaks for itself, right? So 98% retention with two to 3% being lost mostly because of getting, you know, large checks to get their companies bought out. You're not seeing people leave for, you know, negative reasons necessarily, and I mean, to me, it's just saying, well, this is obviously a great opportunity for somebody who can get into it. And, you know, I, I imagine the people who listen to this and are actually in a position to are probably going to ask where to sign up or at least where to inquire about okay. it. So uh, I did have a quick question in regards to safety, too, because just to double back a little bit. Obviously, safety is huge. Uh, the programs can incentivize safety for companies. But then we talk about, you know, it's kind of, it's not a very easy program to get into. What is the ideal client? I know we spoke a little bit about it, but like, what kind of markers are you looking for safety wise? I mean, you know, we don't have to dive too deep, but so somebody could kind of self-assess themselves listening to this. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, great question. Um, and so I think it's all relative on the size of the business, the size of the fleet, you know, for, for looking at truckers specifically here. Um, but, you know, typically we'd like to see, Maybe one big loss in five years. Uh, again, depending on the company, if they're closer to you know a million bucks in premium, you know we could see a couple uh, couple big losses there in terms of. And, and when I say big losses, we're looking at anything you know between one hundred fifty thousand upwards, you know five hundred thousand or more in terms of you know one total claim. And so right. you know in this industry and specifically in trucking, that that happens, right? It's uh, you know it could be. One simple little accident that that really goes the wrong way, um, and a lot of these things, you know, the cost associated with it really adds up. Um, but in our eyes, you know, we want to look at how you're managing those claims. So, you know, if, if you're having a doing a good job, you don't have a lot of those big catastrophic claims, and then also not too many frequency claims, right? If, if you've got a you know a handful each year, that's okay. But um, you know, a lot that that kind of adds up over time. We, we might be saying, okay, well, you know, what kind of safety program do you have in place, or all those you know benchmarks and, and metrics there to to avoid things like this happening. Um, and then beyond that, you know, financially stable, the actuarial study. We, we look at five years of um, you know company data, so they got to be around for a little bit. And there is a little cost, you know, extra cost to get in and collateral to to you know suffice all the parties. Again, you're, you know, you're taking on some risk, and you want to make sure that. Um, you're good for it. And, you know, you could pay that all back when the time comes. And so being financially stable, you know, realizing that there's some, some extra costs associated with getting in. And so I say to companies all the time, like, hey, you know, you're, I'm glad you're interested in it, but let's let's talk. Is it a good time now in, in your business life cycle? Like I said earlier, are you looking to buy more trucks this year or a new property? Um, think about that. You know, where's your working capital going to be? Um, and then beyond that, you know, I, like I said, I think the uh, you know, the mindset of the owner and the management team, how important is insurance to them and the, and the total risk management, you know, overview for their company. Uh, you know, if there's buy in there, they might not even if they're not, you know, the best performing company, but they said, hey, you know, 2020, man, we had this big accident and made us really reevaluate how we think about insurance. Right. We've done X, Y and Z to, to combat, you know, a lot of these things. I'd say, hey, you know what? I think you're getting ready to become a good captive member. Like let's let's continue the conversation. Okay. And so, you know, for those those companies, entrepreneurial, they wanna, you know, put their money where their mouth is and invest in safety and, and really try and 
lower their total cost of insurance and over time, then yeah, let's, let's have a conversation. Yeah. And I remember you and thank, thanks for that, by the way. I, but I do remember you too, correct. If I remember correctly, you saying that it is actually quite a long process as well. So, you know, you're having conversations with people yeah. potentially disqualifying them. You have a pre-qualification, you know, uh, you know, yeah. mission. And then what? Yeah. The yeah. So yeah, definitely. So I've had, you know, a lot of times we'll talk to companies, just after the renewal and start teeing it up for next year and say, hey, you know, start talking to other people about this. If, if you know anybody that's been in the captive or talk to your CPA, your attorney, sometimes they know of other you know, colleagues and industry folk that have been involved in situations and programs like that. You know, talk to them um, or sometimes we'll have conversations about, hey, you're just not you know, at that level of sophistication yet or you've got some losses on your five year window that, um, you know, probably couldn't give you the best option out there. You know, Cam, Cam and Ryan could probably find a, a better option for you right now, but let's talk about getting captive ready. What are some steps that you could take in the next coming years awesome. and, and, you know, things you could implement around your organization to help become, you know, a, a more suitable captive member uh, for those things. And so, you know, it really is a long time. It's pretty rare that, you know, I'll get a call and from a broker and they'll say, Hey, this, this guy wants to join a captive next month. You know, we'll get you all the information over. That's, that's tough. Right. And, and I don't like doing that because I really want the insured to understand it completely before they get into this. Um, all the moving parts, the group members, sometimes even check out, you know, board of directors meeting and see who else they'd be doing business with. Um, and so, you know, that process can take time. It's often a lot more work up front. But once they're in the captive, you know, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward process. And uh, we've got a lot of you know, systems in place to make sure that you know, they're happy, satisfied and serviced accordingly throughout their time in the program. Well, awesome. and I'll make it super easy from our standpoint on um, our website, valleytruckinginsurance.com forward slash captive. They'll be able to plug in their info, their DOT number, um, a little bit of information, and we can actually do a little bit of pre-screening prior to them even thinking about it. And Ian and I and Ryan and Ian and I could get together. We'll do the legwork. And if it comes back, it's like, hey, this company looks really good. They're solid on paper as far as safety goes. Let's take the next step. And I'll have a scheduling link where they can book a meeting and like we can literally sit down and chat and um, explore further if it makes sense. And so literally they'll just have to plug in a little bit of info, their DOT number, and we can do the rest for the initial consult. So, yeah, I think that's, that's fantastic, Cam. I really like that idea. And then, yeah, you know, if, if they're interested, you know, we do do a little educational meeting. It would be nice to, you know, specifically tailor the conversation of their own company and hear about mm -hmm. what they're doing. And then, you know, maybe, maybe meet in person if they need it. Like I said, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm down here in Phoenix and it's, it's 107. I'd love to be up in Spokane right now. Even I'm sure it's probably not too much cooler out. But uh, yeah, if you got anybody else in the Northwest, I'm, I'm happy to come we'll by see, and say hello. We'll see you soon. And I, I mean, I think the things to point out is the exciting stuff. It's like, hey, you got 50 trucks. You guys are doing well. You're a healthy business. You guys have cash and money in the bank. And we want to make some money. You want to have control over the insurance. You, you take pride in having a culture of safety and you want to... Um, get rewarded for that, then it's like, let's talk, you know, and it, yeah. as simple as it is, it's like, go to the website to the W, you know, valleytruckinginsurance.com forward slash captive and put your DOT, a little bit of info in, we'll get in touch. We can then schedule a meeting or do an on-site meeting, you know, whatever we need to do. And, um, you know, you can do this at any point because as you pointed out, and as Ryan said, you know, we're not, you're not coming the week of renewal and it's like, oh shit, I got to shop insurance and captives the way to go. Uh, obviously this is a little bit longer term investment. It's a longer term play. I consider it a diversification of their business and their resources. Like it's going to hedge versus those bad times, which you pointed out some of those companies that maybe weren't as strong coming through the recession with relationships or the markets or whatever they're hauling for whatever reason still ended up being profitable because of stuff they had done to that point. Now they're making money um, on dividends and getting money back off of their um, premiums and stuff like that. So it truly is an asset. A hundred percent is a, is an awesome resource. It's a, it's a viable component. It's not built for everybody. Um, but that's why we're here to try to help educate that and then have that conversation. And if it's not for you now, well, and if you want to get there, let's start talking about that too, because everything we do on the insurance side at Valley Trucking, 
is geared at getting you to be best in class, is getting you to think about and maybe challenge uh, hiring practices. Do you have um, proper safety in place? Are you utilizing technologies? Are you utilizing ongoing trainings? We offer driver trainings to our clients. So they're just based on push notifications to the cell phones and we can see what one of their drivers have completed a training or haven't. And then after they complete certain modules, they get certificates. Like these are all things that we are doing to help give back and help promote and help empower the the carriers to now start reducing premiums, start getting buyback from the insurance companies, start getting rewarded and recognized for the hard work they're putting in. Right. And so that's why I was super excited to get you on and like have this conversation. It's a little dry because it is insurance, but it's super exciting because of the the possibilities. And and no doubt if somebody's listened to this point, they have have heard of, know somebody that's in a captive and they're they're interested, right? And so um, you know, that's what we wanted to do. We've been asked, we've delivered, it's here. So there we go. And I appreciate any listeners that are still on right now. So making it, making their way through the 50 minute mark of talking about insurance. If we, uh, maybe, maybe we'll get, uh, find a, a trucker out there and they, they join the captive and next time we'll do this and interview them too. We'll bring them on and ask some questions on how it's been, uh, right. you know, something like that. Yeah. We'll, but, do um, yeah. Or we'll travel to them or we'll do a little bit of a business meeting, a little bit of golf, a little bit of podcast, a little bit of whatever we, we need go. to do, man. Or we can go safety. Totally. We'll do a safety meeting. I don't really care. I, mean, I like it. Be good. Yeah. So cool, man. Well, Ian, uh, yeah. What up, Brian? I just said a safety meeting can still include golf. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yelling for and avoiding getting hit by a golf ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be good. So uh, Ian, we appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. Um, we'll share kind of the resources and the notes. And obviously, if anyone's interested in learning a little bit more about captives, um, go to our website, reach out to Ryan and myself. And um, all we need is a DOT number. We can do some preliminaries on that. We'll figure out is it, you know, we'll, we'll shut it down or move you on based on that. And then if you're not ready, now we have actually some talking points to go over in coaching and a little bit of a roadmap that can help us get you there. So, I mean, that would kind of be my preach or, or pitch to that. So, um, Ian, thank you so much. I look forward to hanging with you here in a few short weeks. Ryan, thank you for joining. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thanks, have a good one. Bye. Take care.